0: Welcome to today's Lotsa Matza Pizza podcast. Today we have Mike Crowley, the living legend, Bloomington Jefferson, Mister Hockey Award winner, three-time state champion, University of Minnesota player and uh, all around great guy. It should be a great little podcast. We're going to learn about his coaches growing up, the way he got into the game of hockey, and uh, we'll talk a little bit of fun. We'll talk about defensemen, being a hockey dad, and maybe some of the superstitions he had playing the game. Should be a great pod. hope you enjoy it. Love is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring
1: bound by wild desire
0: i fell into a ring of fire well good afternoon mr crowley how are you doing today I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, good. I imagine your face turned red when I called you a living legend. That's the first of many barbs I'm going to get at you today. So this should be fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I look forward to
0: those. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get started here. I've been looking forward to this pod for a while now. Um, let's get started about how you got involved with the game of hockey. You didn't grow up; you actually had a lot of basketball in your family and not hockey. So you kind of broke the mold. How'd you get involved with hockey, and how did you fall in love with the game?
1: Yeah, I did. I grew growing up in Bloomington. Uh, our next door neighbors, actually, the Ruells. Um, yeah. I like think they had three boys. Uh, they are a bit older. Um, they used to play hockey, and they were always outside in their driveway, you know, messing around. And uh, so that's how I got into the game uh, at a you know, younger age.
0: So you got a stick, you go over there, and you play with these guys, but you didn't skate in the driveway. When did you actually get on some skates? What age were you when you finally got into it? And what were your parents thinking when you got kind of hooked on hockey?
1: <laughs> um, you know, my parents... Uh, my dad's from New York and my mom's from Michigan. And um, so they didn't have any, I guess, hockey background. So um, <clears throat> the first year I signed up to play on the ice, actually, I uh, put all the equipment on and I got scared. And so I tried, I think, and I didn't play that year.
0: No um, so way. So actually, you walked out, huh?
1: <laughs> I did. Well, my parents were like, all right, whatever. So they didn't know uh, the difference. Um, Where well, now we like force our kids, right? They're crying You <laughs> People are throwing them out there but we, we kind of that year i didn't play um you must so have gone to the park and so. played though right and so yeah i'd skate at the park but when i'd put on like the mask and all the equipment i guess i didn't like it so i'd play at, at bloomington ridgeview uh, yeah. park go up there and mess around a little bit
0: now i kind of know where you grew up that's not very far that's about two three four blocks right from ridgeview deer house
1: it is, yep yeah, pretty close
0: so it's pretty easy they got a warming house you went up there and played where there were there games going on at Ridgeview because for me I think at Bloomington I think the big games must have been going down at, at, at Westwood because they had the double rinks and all the big open skating area
1: yeah no there was quite a few kids that lived around Ridgeview that uh, played and so there was just one rink and warming house and you know the little circle little kind of figure skating rink but there's always uh some games going on so guys would you know, as you grew up a little bit too about, you know, just walk up there and you know spend a lot of time there for sure.
0: Now, did you have any uh, run-ins at the rink guys? You know, you know, you didn't have, you didn't have a bunch of brothers, you know, so you kind of had to make friends and I'm sure there's guys up there that kind of push people around. Well, how'd you get away around, uh, get around that?
1: <laughs> yeah, there was um, the Palings were always around. That's a hockey family. Yeah, Benji Paling and I were, we are good buddies growing up, and he lived right across the street from Ridgeview. And so he'd be up there and his older brothers. And um, Actually, there's a guy we call Tony. He's yeah. a little older than uh, he would be up there. Was he uh, the bully? Was... Yeah, he was a little bit of a bully. There was a time uh, we would play with a sponge puck back then a lot of times, and he was quite a bit older. He took a slap shot, and it hit me in the thigh. And uh, that's probably my biggest injury I ever had. It turned all black and blue, and I couldn't, you know, a big Charlie horse at a young age. You couldn't uh, couldn't play for, my a knee few for a few days. Yeah, for sure. But <laughs> other than that, what uh,
0: hurt worse, your thigh or your ego that you got blown away by this <laughs> towny guy?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Probably a little bit of both.
0: Yeah, that's good. So it's funny. We, we had a list of I got a list of players you played against, played with, but you just dropped a little Benji Paling there. And here's a guy that you just you know is in the neighborhood. It turns out to be one of the best golfers in the state his age, and goes on. And he plays at, at Drake. Uh, he was quite an athlete in his day.
1: He was for sure. Um, he was a great guy. He's a great hockey player as well. Um, but then he went. I yeah, played at Drake, and he actually played with uh,
0: Zach Johnson.
1: Zach Johnson. Yep. Who they were good buddies. And I think Ben went down to the masters with them. And, you know, I think they're still, I run into Ben every now and again. I know he's still in Bloomington, but, uh, great, uh, great guy and family for sure.
0: Yeah. He was a heck of a golfer. That's for sure. Um, Let's see here now. So one more youth hockey story before we jump ahead um, to some other uh, hockey-related topics. Your first year of squirts, you didn't make the squirt A team. Uh, walk through that. I mean, at this point, you're a pretty good hockey player, and you don't make the squirt A team. What's going on in your head? What's going on at home? Because uh, the rest is kind of history in Bloomington-Jefferson, but it didn't start off too sweet. The first year, you, you walk away. The first year of real hockey, of squirts, you don't make the top Top team
1: yeah no i played squirt bees my first year um you know looking back i don't remember being i'm sure at the time i was bummed out but uh you know i um played a lot i think i was a forward at the time i was a center so i think uh, you know played quite a bit and mike anderson who's a guy i played with later on his in high school and college his dad was actually the squirt B coach that year so he was a great guy but um you know that was a good lesson for me to you know keep working and try to make the squirt 18 the next year
0: yeah so then then you on and you have uh after that season greg treble legendary greg treble is kind of your kind of your caddy the whole way he's your coach all the way through squirts peewees bantams uh what was it like playing for a legend like greg
1: yeah he uh he is a legend. That's for sure. Um, he, you know, taught so much to all of us, you know, even more so more than just hockey, but, you know, discipline and being a good teammate and respect in the game and things that quite honestly, I use, you know, in my work life and my you know, family life nowadays, but he was, um, he taught all of us a lot of humility and to, you know, think of your team teammates and, um, it wasn't individual stuff and that, you know, carried on for that group of guys played for him, you know, for, you know, I played for him for five years, but a lot of those guys that made that scored 18 played with him for six years straight.
0: So what was Greg's profession? What was, he, he was obviously not just a hockey coach. What did he Was he a teacher or what was his background? And, and, and what, 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 what drew you to him so much? What everybody to him so much?
1: So he actually owned uh, Minuteman Press, I think was the name of his. Over business. on Lyndale. Over on Lyndale, over on the East Side. Right by my yep.
0: office. We use them every, yep. for every tournament. That's where yep. that's where we did it. We do our printer so he, programs. Uh,
1: that, yeah. So that's he worked there, and that uh, you know later in life when he was coaching on Holy Angels, he transitioned to be more of like a, a athletic director type okay. or something there. Yeah. But you know for the most part, he was you know ran Minuteman Press.
0: So he's he's got a, his private gig, and then he would coach uh, your teams. Uh, I'm sure you guys had some. You know, if if it's based on anything, the the, uh, the theory that if you're successful in, in youth, you're going to be successful in high school. I'm sure you guys had a great uh, youth career as well. You won probably a state tournament or two at the Peewees and Bantams.
1: Yeah, we had some good teams for sure. Um, I think we didn't win as a Bantam, but um, again, he just instilled all the. You know, qualities, everyone had to wear a winter hat, and you had to be there at X time, and parents weren't allowed to, um, you know, contact them. Back then, you didn't have email or anything. And right. I think every, every parent had got one phone call. Um, they could give them, make one phone call a year, and I don't know that anyone ever did, to be honest with you. Um, most of the parents and the players were, I guess, probably a little scared or intimidated by him, you know, at that time. Well, you know, was later in life. Were you scared of yeah. him? Were you scared of him? For sure. As when I played for him, he was, you know, he had that presence about him where he wasn't your buddy. Yep. Um you respected him, but he was um, you know, that just a, he was, you know, a tall guy and right. um, you know, he didn't even play hockey, so it's just amazing what a great coach and teacher he was. Um for somebody that, you know, just learned the game from, you know, reading books and watching video and but I, we were all, um, you know, intimidated by him for sure and listened, you know, listen to what he said. So you played
0: four years of varsity at Jefferson, which is back then that was pretty rare, um, which allowed you to play. I mean, you're playing against Darby Hendrickson in the late conference in, in as a freshman. What was it like to kind of step in and and play at that high of a level at such a young age?
1: Well, I better clarify, I played the first half of the season on JVs.
0: Oh, you did? Okay. JV team.
1: Was, um, was it? Was stats. there a
0: Bantam? Was there a weird year? Or, did you, or were you pulled up? Did you miss? Skip I always Bantams?
1: just, I played, um, I think the way the age deal was or whatever, I played two years of Squirts, two year of Pee Wee, two year of Bantams. Okay. Um, right. I have a summer of July birthday, so. I think that's just the way it fit. but Okay. I,
0: All right. So I was, I thought maybe you just got pulled up. Like, I think Toby Peterson was one of the first persons to get pulled up as a ninth grader. Remember that? That was a big yep. deal. Yeah. All right. Keep going.
1: But, yeah. So I played, you know, Sats didn't have ninth graders play high school. I think Jeff was a ninth grader and he didn't let him. And right. I hear about that nowadays from those guys. But so I played JV until Christmas. Um, and then I had the opportunity to play um, varsity after Christmas.
0: And that was the 91 year. That was the year. I think Kennedy went that year. Did you play in that section final?
1: I did. I'll, yep. They beat us. I think it was two to one. And I remember, uh, we were all on the, it's at the old mat and we yep. were celebrating and all excited. And we were standing over there. And I remember, uh, John Bianchi was the assistant, um, coach and he kind of came up to all of us. We were standing there and just said, you know, look at over there and how they're feeling. You know, look how you guys are feeling. You know, you don't want to have this feeling anymore. You want to be doing what they're doing. And, um, you know, that was something that just I remember you know, all these years later.
0: And he knew. I've heard that story, and it wasn't from you. I've heard that other story where, like, 91 was kind of a turning point. You know, that was like, that was it. If you look back at Kennedy's record, that was their last trip. And, it, you know, and it was prophetic. That Jefferson made a magical run through that section for, for years to come.
1: Yeah, no, they were loaded. Kennedy was really good that year with, you know, the guys they have, but um yeah, I don't know. I think uh Jefferson uh started having the upper hand for a while after that, maybe. All
0: right. So you you played for three and a half years for Tom Satterdon. You told me something before the show about um about Satterdon was different than any other coach, maybe even into the pros about Sass and the way he broke down uh the opponents.
1: Yeah, it's something that uh, before every game, he and we'd, we'd all meet at Jefferson and he'd have the lineup uh, for the team we were playing. So, for example, if we are playing Kennedy, you'd have Connick and whoever line he was on. So, he'd have all three lines and four, six, D, and he'd have you know five or six different little things next to each name, just tendencies in the player. And it was pretty cool, um, especially now when you think back and – Um, you know, that preparation where he, he, you know, took the time to, to digest each player and, you know, gave us an opportunity as players to, you know. This
0: is before live streaming. This is before filming games was even a thing. So he had actually physically go out and watch these teams, either himself or someone from his staff and, and and make these notes on these players before you actually hit the ice.
1: He would. And, you know, it's the old chalkboard with the chalk and, um, you know, so it was it was neat. It was something that you know I'd never done. Obviously, you know, in the youth program, you never went through, you know, players individually. And quite honestly, I don't remember really doing that in college or later. So it was just something that you know I think he did. His whole career at Jefferson, and you know, it's pretty cool. Did you look forward to that? Like, hey,
0: now I can kind of roll my sleeves and learn who the best players on Edina are going to be, and or even maybe get his take on these players because you probably already had played youth against a lot of these guys. So you kind of maybe you had your own scouting report in your head. Did, did did sometimes it differ from 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 him to you?
1: No, it was awesome. And and the thing that he would do too, and you know, it'd be funny to ask him, um, but you know, if let's say my when. I would be a junior, and we played uh, Edina. And Rick Enrico was a good, good player center. Yeah, Checo was a good player center, and he'd write, you know, next Enrico, you know, best player or you know, great player, something to try to, you know, it'd be kind of that subliminal way to motivate, you know, in that example, Nick to go out there and be the best player on the ice. So, you know, right. I think part of the what he was doing was also you know, to try to get the guys, you Fired know, to step out. up to, um, you know, to try to counter what, who were playing. So it was pretty neat. So
0: growing up uh, you, you know, you played for sats. Uh, did you have anyone you kind of looked up to in the Jefferson system? Cause there were so many great players that preceded you at, at Jefferson. Was there anyone who kind of stood out like, Hey, that's the guy I want to be like.
1: Yeah, um, for sure. For me, it was uh, Peterson. who was a bit older um, than me, but, he was always my favorite player with the Jefferson that I looked up to.
0: Did, was this before or after you turned into a defenseman? Because I grew up, I was about the same age as Tommy, a couple of years older. I just remember him <laughs> being so hard to stop. Uh, he was an offensive defenseman and he was not big. Right. And then I saw you and I'm like, well, that's Tom Peterson, but even better in some ways.
1: Yeah. No. So by the time I think I moved to, uh, I played four until Pee Wee's, and so that's kind of when, um, you know, Tom was probably in it, high school then. It's exactly
0: um, when it was five years before.
1: It, yeah, and so, you know, I was, you know, kind of learning the position as a D in, in Pee Wee's and watching him. And I was, you know, smaller, and he was pretty small, and so he was uh, just somebody that I always looked up to and watched.
0: One of the th- differences, and don't take this wrong, he was—he had a little bit of an edge to him, didn't he? I mean, he, well, he, for sure. he got after guys like, wow, well, he would
1: hit, he would, for sure. He, you know, he was way tougher than I was. That's for sure. But he'd hit and he wasn't been back down from anybody. And, but he also was, had a lot of offensive skill. So. He's right, just, uh, fun
0: to watch. Right, uh, then you get to the U and you play for. Don't. By the way, anyone, spoiler alert: we will talk about three state championships. So don't. If you're tuning in to hear all about those glory days, we will talk about that a little bit later in the show. But I'm just kind of talking through some coaches here. Uh, Doug Woog. You get to the U and you play for Doug Woog and Bill Butters. Walk through some of the differences and the, just the difference of playing from the high school game to, to the college game. What what was some of the things that jumped out you right away.
1: You know, when you got there, it was um I played with great players, obviously in high school. But you get to college, and you're playing with great players, and then great players that aren't even maybe in the lineup that night. So, right. for me, it was you know you're you're young, and you're just you know eager to learn, and you know hope and hope to be in the lineup. You know, you didn't really the, the communication is probably a little different when you're young and you come into college. You know, you're not exactly sure how everything's going to play itself out. But, uh, you know, Wood was, you know, a great guy and just a player's coach where I I certainly love playing for him. Uh,
0: So you mentioned the. You get to, I, I, I have run the camps with the guys at the U and your son Connor came once or twice to that one. and I always talk to the kids like, what's it like playing college hockey? I kind of ask them the same question I just asked you. And one of the first things they always say is, it's a business this is college hockey is a business. Did you have that feeling in, in 1994 when you got to the U, you feel like it was a little bit of a business or, or you were a little bit more, was a little bit less like that back then? You
1: know, I don't, when I look back, I don't think for me, college was at all a business. I would look back, maybe the next level is more of a business, but for me, college was, you know, you're still playing with your buddies and you're going to school and you know, you're, socializing and you know it was for me it was fun you not know, like
0: was, that at all okay yeah I, all. I agree yeah. It, it was it's kind of uh it's kind of like finding out about the easter bunny when when these guys tell you that you know it's kind of disheartening to hear these guys that at the utah and it, there's some truth to it it's a little bit different now you know with the with the big 10 network and all those things that go with it it's it's a little bit scarier uh, for those kids today versus when you guys were playing
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, it's certainly changed over the years. There's no question about that.
0: So the Bruins head coach, Butch, Butch Casty was your coach in, in Grand Rapids. Uh, you mentioned that uh, he had a pretty good influence as far as at the pro level, and you ta- he taught you a lot when you played.
1: He did. I played, I signed in Grand Rapids. I only played there for a few months, but uh, he was um, kind of up-and-coming coach at the time, but was, uh, head, was a defenseman, you know, when he played and, you know, he's a smaller guy and, you know, so he was, I enjoyed playing for him. Travis Richards, another Minnesota guy, was the captain on that team. Great guy. Um, Played with him a little bit there uh, from the Minnesota connection, but Butch was, um, I thought, a really good coach and not surprised to see what he's doing i'm at boston nowadays
0: you said to me that he's he was a defenseman himself so he he liked the way you played or you guys had a very similar style that's maybe maybe why you guys mesh so well
1: i think so you know as as a coach or even as a fan i think people i guess i'll speak for myself but i seem to like players that maybe i played similar to so he and i you know he was small and he was you know more offensive and probably not creating the D zone like I wasn't. So, um, you know, I think he, you know, probably related a little bit to each other. And, um, so he was, uh, he was a good coach.
0: Uh, All right, so we talk. Stick to the topic of defensemen. There's just this kind of this thing that's been bugging me about. You look at the 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 state of hockey, state of Minnesota. So many great defensemen. We just the list goes on and on of great players. Even even dating back to the '70s with like Reed Larson and those kind of guys. and, and then obviously in the 80s with Phil Housley, the, basically the patriarch of Minnesota hockey. I mean, the guy had almost a point a game as a defenseman, came right out of high school and played pro. I mean, this is rock star type status, but the list of players, great defensemen in the state, just kind of goes on and on. Even in today's standards, you have Niskanen and Letty and uh, McDonough and Falk and Gardner. These guys are playing big-time minutes in the pros. Why do you think that, uh, Minnesota is so great at churning out great defensemen.
1: That's a great question. Um, I guess, you know, maybe one reason is uh, it seems to be that, you know, when kids get to, you know, squirts or, I maybe not squirts, Pee or Bantams, you know, the kids that are you know, maybe a good skater and it's a way coaches, you know, how it is now, especially nowadays, everyone wants to win. So, way where you know coaches can get you know if if you're playing d you know you're playing 4d it's a way to maybe give some kids more ice time but it seems that you know a lot of the better skaters guys that can control the game um coaches seem to move them back to d um and you know that could be part of the reason but that's
0: very interesting. So, oh, I left another big name out here, Henry Boucher, on that list too. I mean, he was he was kind of the original order when it came to puck rushing defensemen in Minnesota. Um, when did you ever have a time in in youth or high school where you you kind of went super crawly on the bit? You kind of started going a little bit too much. And did did did, did these coaches kind of pull back on your puck rushing, or does that kind of like? Was they were. That was just kind of part of the game when when you were playing.
1: You know, um, I think at a younger age, I didn't necessarily uh, offense. You know, people think of an offensive defenseman in so many different ways, right? It's it doesn't mean you have to always be leading the rush, and um, so I think you know there were certainly times, probably in high school, where you would maybe jump too much. Yep. But. Um, you know, for the most part back then, uh, I didn't, uh, I don't remember times where necessarily getting too much trouble. There's times where sats would probably give me a look, but for the most part, you know,
0: Were there ever, times, guy. Were there ever times where he said, <clears throat> let's go, I need you pushing it more.
1: Uh, you know, Bianchi was more of the kind of the D guy where, yep. um, he would kind of, there'd be times where, you know, you maybe get a look where it's, but I don't think that was usually if I think I'd preferred to play in the offensive zone as opposed to the B zone. So I don't know that there's a lot of times where I had to say that. It was probably the other way. You know, my buddies joke now, Keppel and some of these guys that um I was always chasing the back check and stuff. So I probably went too much if anything. I, I can't imagine
0: okay. Randy Keppel giving anyone a hard time. I, I don't I don't believe you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well he was the goalie, <laughs> as you probably know, so yeah. Um, he got about three shots a game, so that was a way I could we could give him some shots is for us for the D to rush and make dumb plays and give him odd man rushes the other way. Talk about a
0: hard job being the goalie on the '92, '93, '94 Jeffers teams. I mean, seriously, uh, not a lot of shots on goal, and when they were, they were probably breakaways or odd man rushes.
1: Yeah, no, it's funny because when you say it like that, Sats knows these stats, um, but, you know, block shots were like a huge thing. So you're right, we didn't give up a lot of shots on net, but, um, you know, we certainly gave up a lot, you know, opportunities. But, you know, we had Corey Peterson and Dusty Anderson, guys like that that were kind of big shot blockers. And so – and then Keppel obviously was – Make some a good glove and make some good saves. So we were uh, had a lot of depth in those teams.
0: What a great name! You drop a little Corey Peterson on the show here, and we'd be remiss without kind of backtracking to your hockey dad days last year. Your son's team won the state championship, PWA, over in Stillwater, and Corey was the coach. Was that a special moment for you, just to kind of see your son have some success, and then to kind of do it with a guy you grew up playing with?
1: Yeah, it was cool for as a dad to see your son, you know, have success with his buddies and, you know, um, but I guess for me, you know, it was, um, I didn't really necessarily look at it that way from, you know, Kurt and I played together years ago or whatever. So um, I didn't really kind of, that wasn't a huge factor in it, but it was certainly fun as a dad to see, um, you know, the boys you know they still talk about it today which is cool you know you never you know, get an opportunity like that you never know if you ever have another chance
0: yeah i had a podcast with uh jeff johnson yesterday and as we were preparing for the show we were talking about tough losses and he had you know he's coached for 20 some years he's like oh eden prairie eden prairie state tournament that was a hard loss you know he was kind of went on to it but it was like it was a pretty special run uh, that that PBAA team put together i mean beating basically the number 1 number 2 and number 3 teams in the state back to back to back in 3 days is something i've never seen and going back to the to the late 70s uh, of PB hockey i've never seen it i don't think we'll ever see it again
1: no i mean you know obviously a lot of puck luck and you know wouldn't happen again but it was just you know for whatever reason that weekend they just uh they certainly weren't the best team by Any stretch of it going into it, but they just you know got lucky and got some bounces and found, found a way to win a couple of games, so it was cool for the boys. You know, yes. as parents, were are just happy, you know, for the kids to see them excited.
0: It wasn't you know unbelievable from that perspective, it wasn't like they were a 500 team, it was just they just kind of started to believe in themselves. You know, Teddy Townsend uh, has the, the that unbelievable goal in, in regions, and it just kind of just one of those things, you know, you've seen it in a lot of different sporting events, not just just hockey, but if a team just gets hot at the right time, there's a lot you can't do to stop it.
1: No, that's right. It's, you know, it happens everywhere and, you know, that's uh, that's what's fun about sports. You just you got to you never know what's going to happen, so it's uh why i miss watching sports right now that's for
0: sure (laughs) tell me about it i was watching a guy uh todd from our office retweeted something i was watching a guy and his mom throwing a ping pong ball off pots and pans into a red solo cup and it was the most interesting thing i'd watched in about 24 hours was like yeah you know like i'm gonna i'm literally gonna try it when i get home i swear i'm gonna set the pots and pans and I bought a ping pong ball. I'm going to try it myself because it looks fascinating. they are like six That's different awesome. pots, yeah. six sticker pops, to the different angles, and it went into the cup. You know, it was That's pretty about, cool. Yeah, I was
1: watching the Vikings last night. Yes! Babe. I watched like a quarter of that game, and it was how bored are we watching it, right? How bored (laughs) are we? That normally, that's
0: for sure. I know we were spoiled rotten until uh, March 13th. All right, so let's go through some players, and this is where we get to talk about the '92, '93, '94 teams. Uh, I'm going to have you talk about the best players you played with and the best players you played against um and instead of putting like 14 guys because i could come up with 14 off the top of my head you could too that you played with let's just wrap them all into one pretty little uh present and put them all together so some of the guys you played with at uh jefferson in those three great years
1: yeah um i played with so many good players um but i guess uh I look thinking like ninety two, I'd have to say Treble. Right. You know, was this senior captain, the leader. Um, you know, and then the next year Checo was the senior captain leader.
0: Mr. Hockey. Um,
1: <clears throat> Mr. Hockey. And then, you know, my senior year we had uh you know, Joe Bianchi, um Ian Peterson were other seniors along with myself. So yep. um, you know, but you know, then you had guys my senior year, younger guys, you know, Parrish and Mike Anderson and you know, um we had other seniors, Mike Skogland, we had, Bart, you know, we just, we were loaded with, you know, so many good guys and good players. And if, you know, so many different guys scored big goals, you know, not only in the sections, but, you know, in the state tournament in all three of the years. So, um, Tim McDonald, you know, yeah. um, you know, he had a huge goal for us the one year. And so we just had so many different, uh, guys step up, which that's, what's cool. To win, win championships in any sport, you know, you need more than one or two guys. And that's what, you know, looking back, that was what's uh, so fun.
0: So many uh, big names, so many cool, cool memories from those years. Did, was it different? Just one quick question on that. Was it different being uh, the chased because everybody wanted to be Jefferson. No one liked Jefferson 92, 93, 94. Was it different being hunted versus hunting them down when you, in 92, for example?
1: Totally. You know, and that's, you know, that's where Sats and uh, Bianchi did a good job of
0: psychology, yeah. right?
1: It's totally. You know, where you make, made sure that, you know, no one was complacent and, you know, you knew you were going to get your best from everybody. And so, you know, you, you, you you stayed humble and you stayed motivated. And they always did a good job of, you know, they kind of said your, you know, your senior year is, um, you know, kind of what dictates kind of looking back on your career. So every year we kind of challenged the seniors to lead. And so, you know, each year it was a different group that, you know, felt that they had to you know step up.
0: So this is no... I'm not pulling anything out that's any secret. Uh, it was in the book, so I'm just going to read from the, the, the book. Um, the snowball. What, what year was the snowball fight, the snowball bus incident? Was that 92, 93, 94?
1: What year was that? Do you remember? You know, I hate to say it. I haven't read the book, so I don't know. Oh um, yeah. Should I
0: read you the story?
1: <laughs> don't <laughs> don't, don't it, pretend so. you don't
0: know about the snowball, right? Where they, they I were. don't
1: remember. I, I got a bad memory. You I got think. a bad memory.
0: You yeah, got clubbed in the head too many times. So I don't know what year it was, but uh, uh, you guys are there's a bus. Uh, you guys are going to some game uh, late in the season because it wasn't um, it wasn't a playoff game, but it was near the end of the season, and you guys are having a snowball fight, and then one of the guys said, "Hey, the snowball fight isn't as fun as maybe throwing it at a car." And, uh, someone on your team drilled a Cadillac car and the woman driving the Cadillac car <laughs> turned the car around, came back to school and Sats was none too pleased.
1: Yeah. Um, we won't say who threw the snowball. No, nobody's that. ever yeah. going to admit
0: who threw no. the snowball. Right.
1: Yeah. We won't say, but yeah, I do remember that. That was my, uh, junior year. Okay so and were you it, it, and it was a senior that threw it oh
0: i like it i like a little <laughs> mystery <laughs> like, but the the best part about the story is like the way the, the way that david levake wrote it it was as if like stats was seriously thinking about pulling the team out of the playoffs like that scared you like it's oh, over
1: oh yeah right yeah. He, uh and that was for sure he was very he was not happy about it that's that was the thing with Stats. he that was just other ways where you know he's good hockey coach but he also you know used lessons like that to teach teach you know young young men at that time so um that was one of the other things that he was really good at all
0: right so let's go through some players i'm gonna read some names these are individual players we got the 92 through 94 thing out I, I love the snowball thing that just cracked me up um all right so you have the uh, best players you played with i have uh we're going to just do one set of pros we're going to go Timu solani and paul crea what are your memories playing with them on the ducks back in 2000
1: 2001 yeah you know i wasn't there a ton with them but um they were just so good and so um you know they were like oil and vinegar the two of them were really um you know paul was very you know focused and stretch and you know ate right and And Timo was, you know, he'd wear a brand new pair of skates, you know, every three weeks, you know, for a game, he wouldn't break him in and, you know, was laid back and, but they were both just great, obviously great hockey players. And it was pretty cool to have an opportunity to have a couple of copy, copy watching guys like that.
0: Uh, here's another one that you wrote down. Speaking of great players, he played with you at the U. The rest of these guys are U of M guys. Uh, he's a first round draft pick from St. Louis Park, Eric Rasmussen. What was different about him?
1: You know, he was just a you know, great skill, um big, strong, physical. Um, you know, back then there wasn't uh you know, usually if you're skilled, you know, the skilled guys may be a little smaller and the bigger guys maybe don't have as much skill, but um, you know, he kind of had the whole package, so he was uh, he was a good player for sure. Uh,
0: this is, um, I think, he's been a Minnetonka guy, Justin McHugh.
1: Yeah, Justin. He was a senior um, when I was a freshman. He was a captain. You know, he and Scott Bell, kind of the two leaders on the team. But Justin was a you know, real skilled uh, center. He just always seemed to find a way, didn't he? he? He did. He was, you know, obviously he's a dentist, really smart guy, but just a, he was a great guy and just always found a way to, you know, make a play. And, um, you know, he was, it was fun to play with.
0: Uh, here's one, here's a Jefferson kid. Uh, someone told me this about Dan Treble that he's like Harvard wicked smart kind of guy. Is this true?
1: Oh yeah. He, we always joke that he's the smartest man alive.
0: Oh, um, <laughs> That high. Okay. That's really so, good. Yeah.
1: No, he's a great guy, you know, really humble. Um, but really smart. You know, he always would call, you know, took the Carlson and, you know, um, but just great guy and, you know, really good hockey player. Very uh, underrated. Um, And I know everyone knew he was good, but, you know, he was uh, as good as anyone.
0: And then last but not least, I'm not surprised by this one. Uh, You tried to put him down as both number one played against and number one played with. Uh, This is Brian Bonin.
1: Yeah, you know, Bonin is, um, you know, college-wise, no one, you know, in my opinion, I don't think anyone, you know, he was smart, you know, so he did well in school, he was awesome on the ice, you know, had a lot of fun, you know, um, as a teammate and stuff, but he was, uh, you know, a great hockey player, um, had some great years, you know, he was a guy that was uh, pretty fun to play with.
0: All right, now we're gonna switch it over, guys. That you played against, and these are all high school names. And here's one that's probably the most well known uh, internationally. That's for sure. It's Jamie Langenbrunner.
1: Yep, um, you know, played against him growing up, and played with him on some some teams. Uh, but no, he was uh, he and I were the same year uh, growing up. But he was uh, obviously really good.
0: Uh, here's one, uh, Rick Enrico from, uh, from, uh, Edina. Quite the yeah, talent, well, Rick, right?
1: He, yeah, he was good. Yeah, I, I mentioned him earlier. Um, he was a year older, but he was, uh, you know, skilled and played hard and it was pretty tough for, you know, when you're younger, you know, the high school levels and all that. So he was, uh, he was a good player. Uh,
0: Jason Godbout from Marie.
1: Yep. Yeah, Jason was my roommate. Um. Freshman year, but he was a really good player at a great high school. Such career speed. Such speed. And um, he was, you know, he was a really good player. Uh,
0: how did you guys get along? I mean, you're kind of somewhat carbon co- copies of each other out on the ice.
1: Yeah, um, we got along great. You know, we didn't really, you know, we got to know each other a little bit when we were both seniors um, and we were going to, you know, both go to Minnesota and, uh, room together, so we <clears throat> kind of got to know each other a bit, and so we were roommates actually at home and on the road. And uh he actually—it's not uh, you know public knowledge—but he had a stroke. Um, yes, he had a hole in his heart, and that was our freshman year. Actually, we were in Wisconsin, and uh you know we lived together on the road, and so or, or at home, and so you know you wake up, and you know we would never talk, you know or anything. As young guys, you just get up, and you're so we woke up. We had to go to a breakfast. You know, morning before the game, so we got up in the hotel room, and neither of us tried talking, and so all of a sudden we're walking, and he tried to talk, and he couldn't talk, and so, but I didn't even notice. Like we're just, you know, young. So he got to the breakfast, and I think Bob Broxtonman was the, you know, the, the trainer, and yep. So he had it when we were sleeping, and so unfortunately for him, he you know he had to, obviously had to have he had a hole in his heart and had surgery, and so he was out for for a good 12 months probably and came right. back and, you know, had a good career after that. But, uh, you know, that was obviously a pretty scary time for yeah. him and for all of us. You know? So
0: you had no idea?
1: No, I mean, we woke up, literally because he didn't even know until he tried to talk and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't talk. And so it was, uh, you know, it was pretty crazy, uh situation for sure
0: well that's a good one here's another going you got a good stories on this guy too. uh moorhead kid played against him basically your whole life uh ryan craft
1: yeah uh, crafty great guy um we lived together in college um obviously played against him a lot of good games in high school and uh he was a great player that's for sure
0: I was doing some research and I had forgotten what a big state tournament he has. Like he, one of the championship games, that's his eighth goal of the tournament. Eight goals in the state tournament is, is not very, is pretty hard to get.
1: No, I believe it. No, he was, uh, he'd always find a way to, um, put the puck in the net. That's for sure. I was... He, uh, he was, his parents used to, um, stay at my parents' house a lot in college and, so well, Friday nights, he and I would Homes,
0: kind of game, home home series come back. Friday
1: nights. Home series Friday nights. He and I would come to Bloomington and stay. You know, his parents would be there, and uh, so we probably spent a lot of time with Ryan in college.
0: That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. This is a cool one too. Here's a here's a Kennedy kid, uh, Brad Connick. Talk about Brad's game. He ended up playing at Harvard.
1: Yep. So Brad, um, I just remember him just uh, as a freshman, and so we played. Um, you know Kennedy, you know three times I think that year. So maybe e- well, easily
0: three, right? Yeah. The two conference games and usually in the section finals. And then
1: we played him in that section final. But he was, uh, you know, really good and really skilled and fast. And you know, I just remember I was, you know, being younger. Those are the guys that'll make you look silly, right? So, but he was, uh, uh, you know, he went to Harvard. So I don't, I didn't, wasn't able to follow him as closely in college. But in high school, he was as good as anybody.
0: All right. Uh, let's switch gears here. Uh, you told me a story long ago about, uh, uh, getting Wayne Gretzky's autograph when you were a little kid. And first of all, you said you didn't even know what he looked like that start there and we can finish it. Uh, I got, I got yeah. another story too. another Gretzky story. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I was, uh, actually Ben G. Paling again. But, um, we were waiting for Gretzky at the old outside by the Met. And, uh, they came walking over from like a Thunderbird and two guys kind of walked by and I didn't really know what he looked like. You know, back then you just knew what guys looked like with their helmets on. Right. And, uh, two guys walked by and, you know, four or five fans kind of ran over and ran up to these guys. And so as it turns out, it was Gretzky. So, you know, we ran over there and got in line and were able to get his autograph, which was pretty cool.
0: And what your dad took a picture of it, right?
1: He did. So I've got a picture, um, from you know with Gatsky signed in his autograph and later on in life i had sent it i had him sign the picture which was pretty cool to have
0: and then there's another picture
1: of you playing against them too right there is so i had him sign that and so it's kind of neat where um i've got the two pictures they're somewhere in the basement in a box or something that maybe someday you pull can, out uh, pull out or something but yeah show was, the grandkids uh, right Show the grandkids sometime, but it was grandpa. Uh, you was, were a good hockey player, yeah. right? So, no, it was uh, it was pretty cool. All
0: right, uh, and then another brush with greatness. Uh, you got a chance to play against him, and that didn't turn out as well as the pictures, was it? Did it?
1: <laughs> no, I uh, it's funny, I had a chance to play against him once. He was playing for the Rangers at the time, and uh, you know, growing up, he was my favorite player. And how many times you'd see him set up behind the net and You know, find somebody out front, and you know, for a tap in or whatever. And so he was set up behind the net, and you know, as a D back then, I don't even know if it's still the way we're supposed to flush the guy to their backhand.
0: Right.
1: Gretzky's a lefty, and so I forced him to his backhand, and he took one step to the to the other side of the net, and backhand sauced it to uh, I think it was Kevin Stevens for a tap in. So it was. uh, I remember skating the bench. It was kind of like, well, that's a pretty good minus. (laughs) <laughs> um i've seen that seen him do that on tv all the time but he uh made me look pretty silly
0: i mean but you did what you were supposed to do did you get yelled at in the film room for that
1: i'm sure i, I don't remember it was uh i'm sure i did uh
0: well that's the one of the tops that i want to talk about today we talked about this uh pre-show um basically except for squirt bees your entire career uh you know uh, squirts peewee's bantams, high school college you're the first line first line D first line you're the you know 60 points in one year in college i mean this is you're going into the pro career with a ton of confidence um at what point you know you didn't play you know, 10 years pro or anything like that in the NHL, at what point does the confidence get eroded? And, and, and how do you, how do you fight that? What do you, what do you, what do you go into as a professional hockey player? If if you could go back and do anything differently, how would you, how would you do it?
1: Yeah. You know, confidence is obviously everything. Um, you know, your work life now and, you know, and, and certainly in, in sports. Um, but, you know, it's one of those where, you know, I played a little bit in the NHL, a little bit in the minors, you know, um, but it was one of those things where, you you know, if you're up and down, you, you know, for me, um, you know, I was able to play a little bit up, but, you know, you, you go up and you're trying to, you know, survive, or you're trying to, you know, stay in the lineup, you know, instead of just, you know, growing up, you just played, right, in high school and college and, You know, for me, I think maybe, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I wasn't a great, you know, pro player. And I don't know if it's, you know, I think probably, you know, being, you know, confidence, maybe being in the right situation. You know, I don't know, but, you know, I don't have any regrets. I had a lot of fun playing, you know, playing, but it's, you know. My real memories are kind of, you know, growing up with your buddies in college and, you know, pro for me was, you know, it was how you mentioned earlier that, you know, some people say college was, you know, a business, you know, I guess right. for me, pro was. maybe for, for my, in my career, pro was more of a business where the, the rest of it was, you know, I enjoyed every minute of, you know, the other levels. So walk through that.
0: Um, you, you, you're you, now you're getting seventh defenseman in the pro in the NHL. Uh, do you, are, are they giving you criticism? So they say, oh, you're doing this, or what? What was the knock on Mike Crowley when he was a, a, in the in his pro years?
1: You know, um, I'd say probably in the NHL. Um, you know, for me, I was you know back then, especially the game's a little different now. But
0: uh, we're gonna get to that was, in just a second. It
1: was. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, Tevardosky was in Anaheim at the time. You know, he was, you know, kind of their yep. number one offensive guy. So, you know, Olison was there too. He was an offensive guy. So I was kind of, you know, um, in the middle, right? I was certainly not as skilled as those guys and I wasn't going to be able to hit and fight. And so, I mean, I kind of got caught in the middle. You know, it wasn't anyone's fault, you know, at all. My own that, you know, you'd, you'd go out for a shift and, you know, back then you'd get it to the red line and try to get it deep and forecheck. And, you know, for me, then you wait at the blue line and, you know, take a one-on-one back the other way and they dump it and try to do the same. run, run me through the boards or the D through. So, you know, I think you probably just get caught in survival mode of, you know, confidence again is everything. And you know, I was kind of <clears throat> in and out of the lineup, you know, I'd warm up. Um, you know, it was just, I was a borderline guy and, and it was great. I have no, again, it's got, Fond memories of it, but it just uh, for me, I never really established myself as a you know NHL player. Call it.
0: So puck possession is such a big stat today in the whole analytics. You know how much puck possession do we have? Do you think uh, today's game suit would suit your game better than it was back then, where there a lot of it was dump and chase and 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 and, and basically swarm? You know, a, a trap. There was well, a lot more trapping back then. They've done a lot to get rid of that. Do you think it would be better today for your game?
1: Well, I think anybody that's a, a skilled, you know, offensive player for sure. You know, I mean back then, you know, the Detroit Red Wings actually played pretty similar to the way teams play now. Yes. And so we'd play them and you'd be like, Holy cow, they'd have a the puck the whole time. And um, you know, for for us in the neutral zone, you wouldn't, you know, pull it back and go D to D and back to D, it'd be, you know, if you did that, it'd be get the puck to the red line. You know, it's just totally different. You know, it's um, where you know puck possession's everything if you're an offensive player. So it's right. um, you know who knows you know how it'd be, but you know certainly um, you know the game's more fun to watch. You know now, in my opinion. All
0: right, uh, I I don't know the answers to these questions. Yeah, you said you had a ton of superstitions. Uh, before, I don't know, game day superstitions, practice superstitions, taping your stick superstitions. Give me a few of those that you had before uh, when you were back either in high school or college or pro.
1: Yeah, no, I had had quite a few. I probably forgot a lot of them, but, you know, I'd always eat macaroni and cheese before every game in high school and college. Love it. Even Um, in college? Yeah. So how would you make
0: it? I mean, mean, mom would make it for you at home, but you're, you're in the dorm. What if there's no mac and cheese? Did you make it yourself?
1: Yeah. So in the dorm, no. That's. But I'd always be at home on Saturdays. You know, okay. So, um, but macaroni and cheese all the time. I'd always put on. You know, like everyone, put your you know left stuff on first. You know, left chin pad, right chin pad. Tie the left skate and the right skate. I'd always count the fifty stars on the flag during the national anthem. Most of the rinks, you can you know they're against the wall where you can read them.
0: No, you know, I've um, never heard this. So always, Keep going. Yeah, I like it.
1: So i do that. I'd always pick up one puck and set it on top of the net after warm-ups. Um I always hit the upper left corner, I guess, of so the net, you know, to start warm-ups when I'd come out. Um I'd always walk the same way, like in college, same way to the rink, when I when I got to Mariucci. So what happened um, when you moved?
0: <clears throat> so you didn't live in the same place every every year. No,
1: and i we'd park, and I'd always go in a certain door. So
0: same door, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> you know, we'd be times we'd get dropped off at another area. Guys would go in by the weight room, and I'd walk down to the other door, and just weird stuff. But um, you know, I think everybody has their little.
0: What about what about story. high school? So a lot of that sounds like U of M stuff, or no, no, you had the. No, that was all high school,
1: too. Oh, yeah. The cheese was high school. The putt one puck was high school. The flag, all that was high school. All
0: that was high school. school. How about you get to pros? Can you pull some of that stuff off?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you can still do in your home. You can still do your mac and cheese. You can still do the flag, you know, skates, getting dressed. Yeah, You know, so all that kind of stuff. um, You know, still do what you can. It just was kind of normal, right? So it wasn't even really superstition. Now, I'm just thinking of a lot of that now. But, do you uh, see,
0: uh, Do you know, you got two boys that play one that's Carter's like seven or eight, right? Eight, nine? Yeah, Carter's eight. Okay, and, then, yep. and Connor's probably 14, depending on his birthday, right? So yeah, do either of these guys picked up on that? Not
1: really. Really? Um, you haven't noticed it yet? Stuff? You know, they, they've they got a little bit that they do, but not, you know, obviously, nothing to level of uh I got a little overboard I think
0: uh did your mom put up with it or did she kind of like being part of the team
1: yeah she was you know she loved the you know the mac and cheese and my parents were you know great they didn't they weren't hockey parents but younger but by the end we used to joke that everyone would call my mom my sister and my dad and stuff we'd call my mom the GM just because she um, you know, used to kind of, yeah, she knows hockey pretty well now, but she didn't, you know, way back in the beginning, she wasn't, uh wouldn't have known what offsides was.
0: So your mom was the GM of all the teams she you was, played?
1: We used to always joke with my mom. She was always kind of a, she's got a pretty good eye for, you know, she can come to a game now and kind of understands, you know, she'd be able to relate what you see, which is kind of cool. Not that my dad doesn't, but we used to always joke with my mom that she's the uh, GM.
0: That's pretty cool. My mom, uh, so I'm the youngest of five, so you can imagine they all played hockey. We all played hockey, so I'm there. So my mom's now been to whatever, umpteen hundred games. And I'm like, whatever, a sophomore in high school, and she's talking to the, all the hockey. She stands by all the hockey moms, because that was the thing to do, right? And my mom's like barking out, that's offsides! Or, <laughs> you know, too many men. Yeah. My mom, like moms would come me like, your mom knows everything about hockey how does she know i'm like well i'm the last one so she knows my mom knew every rule everything there was to know about hockey and and there'd be gays i'd go visit her before she passed away at the nursing home she's like that's zach parisi out there i I remember growing i remember we used to go to the met and watch his dad jp play i'm like mom you can't remember who i am but you know who that's zach (laughs) parisi
1: yeah no that's pretty cool
0: you know, moms are great, especially when they no. get into it, they're great. And my mom wasn't crazy either. It doesn't sound like your mom was either, but I've seen some, right?
1: No, my mom, she didn't say a word. You know, she doesn't even now when she goes and watches one of the, my kids or, you know, my nephew's games, you know, she just sits there and watches and she's not yelling or my dad, you know, my dad paces around more than sits even with his grandkids watching games. But they're both, you know, just enjoy the game and, you know, watching – you know, their kids and grandkids.
0: All right, so there is, af- there is an afterlife to hockey, and you're doing quite well. You work for Medtronic. What do you do for Medtronic?
1: Yep, I work for Medtronic. I sell uh, spine implants. Yep. So I spend most of my days, not right now, but uh, most of my days in the operating room, um, you know, for spine fusion, so cervicals or, you know, thoracic or lumbar, spine surgeries. Okay. Um,
0: And when you say um, in the, in the operating room, you're not actually a doctor. So you, do you sometimes know more about the product than the doctors do? Is that okay. kind
1: of your, your uh, assistant you in a know, way, or how does it work? You know, not really. I mean, you're there to basically make sure that everything's, you know, that they need for the surgery that is there and ready to roll. Um, you know, Do so you bring it or
0: of, does it get couriered there? How does, do they order it? How does that, how does that work?
1: You know, most of the stuff just kind of lives at the hospital. Oh, it does. Okay. And so it's kind of there and, you know, it's more kind of making sure the tech who's actually scrubbed in with the doctor, um, has not, you you kind of tee them up for what the certain surgeon likes, you know, the order, just like anything else, the surgeons do things differently. Each one has their own kind of technique, call it. And so it's more to tee up the, the tech. So it just, you know, have a little more flow to the surgery. Got it. But ultimately the doctors are, you know, we're not helping them do the surgery by any means. And, and do you still work with Mike Strobel? I do. Yep. So, I work and, no, with Mike. and there are other
0: hockey people in your group
1: too, right? There is. Um, you know, Tom Ceratore, I work, work with him. He's a former golfer. Yep. Um, Luke, Luke McManus, work with him. He's Rosemount and uh, yep. won a couple championships at Duluth. Um, I think there's uh, Nick Chekhov's in the industry. Um, a lot of kind of sports guys that are floating around.
0: All right. So what is it, what did you take out of hockey, uh, that help you be successful in the business world?
1: You know, I think just, you know, for me, it's, you know, you got a teammate, be a good teammate, you know, work hard, um, you know, being, try to be humble, you know, just things that, you know, good traits that, you know, you, you hope you're, you, know, you try to instill in your kids and. No, just nothing you know not the smartest guy around but i try to you know try to work hard and do the right thing and see what happens
0: not the smartest but for sure the best looking though right <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> not so much
0: all right uh all right let's talk about your family we've talked about connor and carter but you also have a daughter i hate these people who don't talk about people who don't play hockey what's your daughter's name
1: yep my daughter's name is addison she is 12 so she is in uh Six, seventh grade. Sixth, seventh grade. All right. Yep. And uh, she does dance, which is uh, quite honestly probably crazier than hockey, but she loves it and um, is good at it. And so that's fun to support her and, and, and get out of the rink and go watch some dance
0: so i bet and, and and connor's in eighth grade right or ninth eighth he's in eighth Yeah. i bet they get after each other or are they get after each other or are they best friends because i have, uh, I, have know, a, I have a brother sister kids too and some days they're the best friends in the whole world some days man they just get after each other
1: yeah yeah it's you know the three of them so it's you know two of them are best friends and then they're on one of them so it's especially during <laughs> this quarantine tell time, me about everyone it. everyone's dealing with the same thing so it's uh it's never all three are getting along. It's always one against two. Yeah, or one against one against one.
0: I'm with you. I'm in the same. I have three two, and it's <laughs> the same thing. It does. I I think they're going to be in their thirties, and it's going to be happening, right? I just no, never think sure. it's going to get rid of it. You know? Yeah.
1: No, it's uh, it's fun though. It's definitely fun.
0: And then and uh, Carter's in second grade.
1: Carter's in second grade. Yep. All right,
0: and he's a hockey player too. Right.
1: He plays as well, so he tries, you know, tries to keep up with the older kids and loves going to watch you know kind of Connor and those guys. You know, he's their number one fan, which is pretty cool. That is pretty um, cool. For a dad They're, you know, he's he loves all those guys, so it's pretty fun. All
0: right. And then all right, so now we're down. We're down to the last ninety seconds, Crawls. You're doing great. Uh <sighs> let's see here. I wanna get kind of your two cents on, you know, you've gone from you know, the one side of playing, right? all the way through and, and, and now you've done a little bit of coaching as well. Uh, what's, the, what's your two cents on today's game in 2020 versus when you were started playing in the, in the mid 80s to, to today what, what do you see 35 years uh, down the road differences or even similarities well, think, for that matter?
1: Yeah I think um, I think differences is guys are you know at all levels are just so much more skilled. Um, they're bigger, stronger, just better athletes. Um, you know, even at the mite level, these kids are hands and, um, <clears throat> you know, all the way up to the NHL level, how much more skilled those guys are than guys were 20, 30 years ago. Right. Um, I think, you know, nowadays, it's, everybody's about, not everybody, but it's a lot about getting to the next level and hurry, hurry, hurry. Um, instead of, you know, enjoying the moment, cause you know, it's funny, we sit here now and talk about, you know, squirts and peewees and, you know, it goes by pretty fast as you know. Right. And so, you know, you, I try to at least with my kids and their buddies is just to enjoy it because, you know, you never, you don't know, you know, it's, you don't, everyone's not going to play in the NHL and it's great that the, all these kids want to, and that's their dream and they should, you shouldn't, you know, hold back that dream but you know you need to enjoy you know whatever level you're at and your teammates and because you know it's the journey which is um what it's all about
0: does it ever frustrate you to see kids whether they're eden prairie kids or kids from the neighborhood or kids that you've been been around that get kind of caught up in in the status and not within the process
1: you just, you, I don't know if I feel bad is the right word, but, you know, you just, you'd like to, um, and again, I don't have all the answers, just my opinion, but right. it's, uh, you know, for sure, because it's, you know, you look back and everybody thinks that playing the NHL is the ultimate. And if you ask, you know, Matt Cullen, he's he's going to bring up, not not his state, not his Stanley Cup, but he's going to bring up his, you know, the high school state tournament, you know? um you know winning that you know winning that so it's you know people everyone just thinks of you know you want to get to the next level whatever it is high school college pro and it's you know enjoy high school enjoy college enjoy the moment because um there's a lot of good hockey players out there at all levels and you know everyone's working hard and everyone's shooting and everyone wants it but um you know, there's plenty of other things out there besides hockey. And, you know, you don't want to take somebody's dream away. But with that said, you know, enjoy it. It's a game.
0: Uh, a good friend of mine wrote an article. It's called Don't Fast Forward the Good Parts. And the good parts are playing Bantams, playing high school, playing college. I mean, people are in such a hurry to, to get to the next level. And then they realize they just missed out on some of the best things. And a lot of that's the high school hockey tournament or the Bantam State tournament or the PB Wee State
1: tournament. For sure. And, you know, you don't know as, as you're doing it, right? You're just going, you know, with social media nowadays and everybody knows what everyone's doing and points and, um, you know, awards and, and everything that, you know, it's people get caught up in it. And, you know, there's, and, and I get it, right? That's just how America's judged is on, you know, winning and things like that. But, you know, there's so much pressure on all these kids now with, um different you know that development deal wasn't around when you know i was younger it was high school was your was your dream right if you could play high school hockey you were the man you know and now it's you know ushl and major juniors and
0: imagine um, if there's a national development team in 92 93 94 what that had done to jefferson
1: Just sad, right? It's sad, you know, and so for sure. And so that's where, you know, now people, you know, you get pressured into, you know, what 16-year-old really truly wants to move to Michigan from Minnesota. Maybe they do, but I don't think I I would have as a 16-year-old.
0: No, no, it's a it's a scary time. Uh, your son Connor is one of those kids that could get that call next year. He's a real good, uh, two thousand five birth year kid, and could get that call. And you know, you'll be in you'll be in uh, position A as to what to tell him, right?
1: For sure, and that's where you know, if anyone ever asks, it's you know, you you can never take back and get back, you know, playing with your buddies and playing in your association and in your your city and. Um so for me you know it's ultimately you know kids have to make decisions and families have to make decisions what they think's best but if anyone ever asked me it's you know just enjoy the process and um you know let the chips fall as it may
0: well, the chips fell pretty well today, Mike. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and uh, going through your career and talking about some great times and great players. And uh, it's been uh, it's been a blast, and I'm sure I'll see you soon around the rink. Thanks for tuning in today's Lotsa Matza Pizza podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's fun listening to your podcast. You do a great job.
0: Thanks, Mike.